I am always thinking about the balance of relatability and inspiration on our show. You know, we want guests that inspire you with things that no one has ever done or no one could ever do again. Uh, Things like free soloing El Capitan. But I also want to balance it with relatability, like people who do things on the weekends and have normal lives and, and, and make adventure accessible and feel like something you can achieve. Our guest today, Jennifer Strong McConaughey, is honestly a balance between both. And the main thing I picked up from her story and listening to her is just an amazing balance between professional life, being a mom, being a spouse, and being a really incredible adventurer. Uh, It's the kind of lifestyle that I strive for, where you have all these things in place and this joy that comes out of a quote-unquote normal life, but also amazing adventures mixed in there as well. And what you're going to see is that it doesn't just come naturally. You have to work at it. You have to plug it in. It's like, oh, I have a business trip coming up. Can I literally paddle there or walk there or get there and do some adventure while I'm there? Fitting adventure into life is totally doable. And Jennifer makes it sound so... uh So effortless in a ways, other than doing the actual adventure, it's a lot of effort. And she also does a ton of different, interesting, wild combinations of sports, like swim running and almost swim touring. And she's put all these experiences that she's done all around the world over years and years into a book recently called Go Far, colon, How Endurance Sports Helps You Win at Life. That just sounds like it's chock full of gold nuggets of wisdom, experience, and inspiration. So I was really inspired by this conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. So feel free to pick up her book. It's linked in the show notes. And let's go ahead and jump in. Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. You heard a little bit about Jennifer's story at the beginning of the episode. You just where to find her book and whatnot, but we're going to have a chat with Jennifer now. But Jennifer McConaughey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mason. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So I always ask this first, and uh, I think I might know, but where's home for you and where are you right now? I am am in the Midwest. I live in Wichita, Kansas. All right. And, and, And is that where you grew up? Yes, I grew up here. And, um, you know, it's it's maybe not the first place you would think of to be an adventure athlete, but um, that's part of my story is really going out and finding that no matter where you live. Oh, man. So I'm actually really excited to talk because I, it's always a treat talking to people who have really careers or, or, or prominent side gigs. I know you you do another job for a living, but I, I, I love talking to folks where it's not an adventure hub because I want to hear that perspective and how you make it work. But quick side note, have you ever heard of the name Rolf Potts? Yes, I okay. have. Yeah, he, he's a very well-known explorer and writer and adventurer who is based not out of Wichita, but a really small town, I think about an hour or so from Wichita. And he, he was honestly probably my biggest inspiration in college for getting out there and doing adventures. And come to find out, he lives on some land out there somewhere and he loves it. Talks about it a lot, how that has opened the world to him living in a place that isn't so heavily focused on adventure. That is so cool. And I think we actually, we went to the same high school, um, not at the same time. And I've heard his name. Um, we haven't met, but um, that's fun that you bring that up. So I will I will need to connect with him at some point more because I've, I've definitely heard his name. Um, and we we share a common high school. That's <laughs> right too in the cool. Middle of our 
So. <laughs> well, well, tell us about that. What adventure, you know, adventure, people think of Colorado, people think of other places than Kansas with adventure, but you tell me, what, what were you doing growing up in, in the adventure world? I don't believe you were doing adventures. You were more focused on traditional sports. Uh, oh, not traditional, honestly, like triathlons and stuff. Tell us about the ways you were staying active growing up. Sure, absolutely. Like, luckily, my dad was always a big influence. Um, and so I grew up as a childhood triathlete. But I also um, did a lot of road races and running and competitive swimming. So I have been an athlete since I was seven um, in really a, a variety of sports. And I've liked to kind of have taken that journey. And I still run. I still swim. I still do sport combinations. So it's been really fun to have that early beginning and then progress um, as an athlete through the years and just integrate different modes. And so you're not always running track or cross country or road races. Um, through the years, I was able to become an ultra runner and um, even get into stage racing where I would run multiple days in a row, traveling the world doing that. So it's it's really kind of fun to look back and, and look at that progression as an athlete. Um, same way with swimming, uh, started out as, you know, an age grouper swimming in my neighborhood pool and went on to uh, become, you know, an open water distance swimmer, uh, swimming across, you know, from Europe to Asia, across uh, one of the iconic spot, um, spots in the world. So all of that from from the Midwest, and I, I just get such a kick out of I, I'm not, I don't live by an ocean. I have some lakes, I have some rivers. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is seek out and find the water. Um, as a swimmer with that swimming background, um, I'm always looking for ways to swim across or paddle down or surf a river, um, any, any way that I can find that water and then sort of connect it through other sports, other iterations, other modes. That's probably my secret for finding adventure in Kansas is build it around the water. Even if it's hard to get to or hard to find, it's, it's not built in. It's not just like, oh, obviously there's the ocean. Um, you have to kind of be a little more creative, but that that's the fun is being, being more creative to find something that's not just naturally given. Mm. I, I was going to save this for later in the episode, but now that we're talking about it, let's just, let's just dive in because I, okay. I, there's so many people that listen to this show that we hear from all the time. And they're like, I don't live in the most adventurous place. Um, or I do, and I don't take advantage of it enough. I live in Florida People are probably tired of hearing this. Started this show in Colorado, moved to Florida. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like there's a drop-off of the amount of adventures and the quality of adventures you can have. It really is just looking at it through a new lens. And I tell people, like, I, you think I'm lying, but these are just as impactful and as exciting and as beautiful as adventures I've done anywhere in the world, what do you think some of the keys are to finding adventure where you are? And, and have you also found what I'm talking about with Kansas? Like it's almost more rewarding to find it there because it's 
you you have to search a little harder. You you really do. You have to create your own. I love what you've been doing in Florida. And there's some really cool things that I've learned through my book writing process and becoming more involved in the endurance community. The Florida Trail, I'd never heard of that before. And I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool. And just so many, again, water sport opportunities, the stand-up paddle boarding, the kayaking, canoeing, water sports, and, and that kind of thing. So it's it's fun really wherever you are. And it's it's a great way to in, infuse your travels as well. So I re- went to Hawaii a few months ago um, for a speaking opportunity, and I tried outrigger paddling. And that is uh, the state sport of Hawaii. It's a really big part of the culture, and they have different teams. And when I was adventure racing, I would hear about uh, doing outrigger canoeing and see it on some of the televised adventure races. And I was like, man, I've never done that kind of paddling. If I'm going to go to Hawaii, I have got to try that. Um, And so I I had an opportunity to sign up and join a team and join a crew. And it was such an awesome experience. Like I, I didn't have a lot of paddling background, but not a specific outrigger background. And I just jumped on and uh, it was kind of like no questions asked. I was just accepted and automatically part of the team. And we did some training rides and, you know, rode the waves in. And so it was like super cool. And I had that in the back of my mind of like, I need to do this so that I have that as an adventure racing skill. If I ever do an adventure race where I need to, you know, be able to to race um, and have that knowledge. And so I was, you know, business trip to Hawaii and I got to go try this new water sport. And so that was an opportunity and an, an example of like, you know, try something special with like where you are, where it's unique to where you're going. And it's a great way to try new sports, which is kind of one of my favorite things to do. Kind of talking about that sports progression, like you don't always have to be a paddler in the same way. You can try rowing, you can try rafting, you can try supporting, you can try canoeing or kayaking or different types of kayaking. I do flat water here in Kansas, but I've done, um, I went to some whitewater training school in North Carolina and it was such a huge difference, um, you know, different boats, different way of using your body. Um, and I always, I love to talk about, you know, it's like, road running and trail running or mountain biking and road biking, or I say pool swimming and open water swimming, flat water kayaking and white water. And then you can throw ocean in too. So just thinking along those lines of like, maybe you've tried one area, but um, going and, and trying the different iteration. I love that. It's endless what you can do when you start to just view it that way. How frequent or how How often do you try to do adventures, like major adventures where you travel? I know during COVID that was tough, but uh, where you do things in other places that fall under the normal, you know, regular category of adventure of being exotic and adventurous and it like a big challenge. Do you you have a cadence you try to hit or is it just as the opportunity comes? It's, it's kind of as the opportunity comes and, and it's kind of a journey because I had, you know, 10 solid years in my late 20s, early 30s where 
I was really in it. I was doing three, four, maybe even five really big international events a year. Um, and I would I would switch it up too. Like I would be ultra run training, but then I would go and climb Mount Rainier or I would um, be in, in marathon swimming. I, I, I did a race in Namibia running through the desert. And then um, after that, it's kind of a contrast. You know, I had my hot desert run then I went and swam um, across the Hellespont. Um, and so I, I had a lot of that intensity. And then, of course, um, everyone's world changed with the pandemic and we didn't have opportunities to go as many places. But I was also in the middle of having two children um, fairly close together. And so I did kind of um, have to really start doing more things that were easier to access close to home. And, you know, that was great. I loved that because when I was always focused on traveling internationally or across the country, I wasn't having a chance to explore my local state parks as much. And so, or, or just trails around my house or like, I love finding a new route to somewhere. Like this is kind of a silly example, but we have a new coffee shop that's opening and I'm like, I'm going to run there. I haven't ran that way in a while. And like, I think that's going to be the best way to get, get to go try it as if I do a new route and I run there. Um, so I, I try to have some kind of fun weekly adventure that like infuses my life and gives me, you know, like this week I'm going to, you know, run through the sculpture garden, um, on my run. And maybe I'm going to, you know, run across my river too, because it's summer and it's hot. And so on a weekly basis, I try to just have something that's fun and outdoors, um, as part of my training. And then, um, I, I have probably a couple a year right now, um, Last year, my son was not yet one. And so I did a really cool um, eight sports in eight days. So I did eight different sports um, each day to celebrate my 38th birthday. And then this year for my birthday event, um, I paddled 100 miles continuously in my kayak um, on the Missouri River, which I'm in Kansas. Missouri is the next state over. Um, so then I have a, a kind of a, a pack rafting, um, swim, cross-country swimming, um, bike packing trip that I'm planning on um, in the fall. So it really just depends on family life commitments. And we can delve into some of those more. I, I know I just kind of breezed past some of those big adventures, but uh, the 100-mile the ultra paddle was a huge event. I spent years planning it, but with kids and the pandemic, I kind of got put on hold. And so that was like a very intense focused period. Um, and I'm hoping this fall um, pack, packing combination is, you know, more low key, more fun, more just kind of going out on the weekend and doing a lot of local exploring. Um, so, yeah, at least a couple a year and then that weekly, uh, weekly out and about uh, find find the fun around you kind of training. T tell us more about that 100, that, that 100 mile paddle. How long did that take? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Well, Mason, what I wanted to do with this is I actually created my own event because I had researched races uh, around the country, even throughout the world. As an ultra runner and as a triathlete, I had, I had ridden my bike 100 miles and I had 
run a hundred miles in ultra runs and races. And I really wanted to have a third sport to sort of mirror that three sports of my early triathlon days. So I was like, well, I think I could paddle a hundred miles. I had done some, um, I did the 34 mile for one of my birthdays and was like, you know, I, I really think that I could do this. And so I tried to find an event to go do, but they were too far or in weather. It just didn't appeal to me. And so I wanted to create something locally that I could do on sort of my home rivers as a way to explore those watersheds and sort of connect to the history of my local area and my local environment. And so I designed this 100-mile paddle nonstop, like you would do an ultra run or or a 100-mile century bike. Now, I did stop and get out of the boat at checkpoints. kind of boat ramp access points along the way just, you know, to to move. Um, but I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't getting, you know, food or camping or anything. I just kind of had, you know, snacks and water that, that w- we had. So it was super fun to create this. And, and I'm actually, I've been calling it the ultra trifecta um, because being an ultra endurance athlete in running, biking, and then having that, that third sport of the 100 mile ultra paddle, and that's kind of why I wanted to do it. And it was really fun to create my own. Like I couldn't find something to go compete in. And so I just created my own. And my dad and my husband um, alternated like driving the Jeep and, and paddling with me. Um, but it was just us three. The Missouri River is a commercial river and they do have some events on it, but the Coast Guard's involved and they they you know, they alert the boats that are on there. We were paddling at night. It took me about 18 hours. Um, and, uh, a lot of that was, had to be at nighttime. We had to navigate fog and they have, um, barges on the river that come through and they also have sand dredges and a lot of, uh, navigational aspects that I hadn't ever encountered on a prairie river or even a whitewater river was different than, you know, a commercial river that has cargo traffic. Um, so we had to get boat lights and follow coast guard rules and lots of, lots of logistics to go out and do on your own, uh, rather than part of an organized event. And, and that's kind of what I love about a lot of your guests. Um, they're, they're doing Doing things that are outside of the mainstream, they're creating their own, and you know it wasn't quite self-supported, but it was. I mean, we it was just us; it wasn't an event. And so I, that's something that is super fun for me um, and super adventurous. Is just kind of starting to create your own when you can't find something or it doesn't work with your schedule. I love it, and what's so cool about that adventure? is you're the only one doing it. Yeah. It's not a through hike of a popular trail or even a bikepacking route. And definitely not an organized event. <laughs> I mean, <No. laughs> you were you were pretty organized, but no one else was doing anything. Right. But you are the only one out there making that happen. And for me, I don't know about you, but but that that sense of adventure comes from that. More than I realized before as I get older, it's it's from doing things that are just you're you created this plan and and what's cool about that is it can be in the middle of a city it can be anywhere in the world it can be bigger as small or as backwoods or as urban as can be if you were a one of one it feels like an adventure because it is wow that's really cool yeah, it really, it really was. Thank you. And I, we were like, oh, we'll see other kayakers. We'll see other paddlers. We we all we saw were the, you know, the barges and the sand dredges. 
So that really, you really did feel like you were just kind of out there doing something, you know, really out out of the normal zone. And what was cool about that is that I do have young children. And so I didn't want to be gone. This was kind of a weekend adventure for me, you know, 18 hours doable in one day. Now I was gone a little bit longer due to driving, uh, but we, we did an alpine start. We borrowed that term from mountaineering, some of my mountaineering experiences. Um, and so we, we went to bed at like, six o'clock at night after dropping the kids off, woke back up at 11, loaded the boats, um, took off, drove, uh, drove through the night, started as early as possible on the river, paddled nonstop. And I actually had an event that I needed to be at. And so we kind of designed our route on the river of, we started a hundred miles upstream from the event that I needed to be at on a Monday. So it was also paddling on a Sunday. So by creating and designing my own, I could fit this adventure perfectly into my my daily life, my other commitments, my children, my meetings, my work schedule. Was it a lot harder than just, you know, spending a few days before and after recovering? Absolutely. Because, you know, then there were birthday parties and end of school and all of that. And I just sort of, you know, popped the ultra mile, uh, the ultra paddle, 100 mile kayak in the middle of all that. But we could create it to match exactly what we needed at the time. And that was the beauty of that um, that adventure. Were you able to talk about it when you got to your destination? Was, well, it, it, was like, it like a part of it or was it? <laughs> um, a little bit. A little bit. I talked about it a little bit, um, but I hadn't quite processed it yet. I think I'd had a couple of hours of like a cat nap. So, you know, I was still kind of... Uh, yeah, we're the car out front with the kayaks on it kind of thing. <laughs> we just paddled here from 100 miles upstream. That is, yeah, yeah. I love that. You, you know, that's, we hear that a lot on this show of folks fitting it in. And that can honestly be part of the fun too, is finding those pockets of time to do this. Because it, it gives it gives you encouragement to not say, okay, I either have to do it in my 20s before responsibilities or when the kids are out of the house and hopefully I have enough money then in time or when I retire even, even later. So this is really neat. So, so, so you, you try to do something for your birthday every year, it sounds like, and yes, you try to fit yes, a few things in. Yes. Uh, wh- what is the rest of your life like? Normal career, normal responsibilities of being a mom and being a, a spouse and all that? Yeah, it it really is. Um, but with with the children, we really are trying to uh, give them the outdoor experience, give them many adventures. Um, we we try to take them and involve them as much as we can. Um, we went hiking on the Colorado Trail last summer. That was kind of our first big trip with kids. Um, and we have talked about going back this year, but we haven't been able to commit because we went without a lot of sleep on that trip. <laughs> um, but really, we just, we're an outdoor family. And I, I grew up doing outdoor sports uh, from a young age. And so um, it's just kind of a part of our, part of our nature. And we, you know, I like to do anything I can with the kids. One of the fun things that I um, did for that those eight sports in eight days. So I kind of borrowed um, some sports from adventure racing and triathlon. So obviously I did swimming, biking and running. Um, but I kind of tried to do more exciting versions of those. So I did swim in my local pool, but then for my bike ride, uh, portion of that, I did a, a circumnavigation of my city. 
Now, there's not like a circular loop around my city. There are different paths and trails. And so I wanted to connect all of those and sort of explore the inner core. So that's a way of like urban exploring um, that I could do. And then I also got the kids involved. Um, I did something called strollerblading. So rollerblades or inline skates, and then you pushed your jogging stroller. So I had two kiddos in the stroller and I was rollerblading and it's super fun. Um, if you can get over, you know, looking kind of, kind of out there. Um, and that's why I love some of the guests that you have had the ultra blading and blade packing. I mean, I totally want to do that. I I actually did a few roller, uh, rollerblading races when I was a young kid. And then it's part of adventure racing sometimes too. So I'm inspired by that. And also I got um, skate skis or or uh, Nordic skates um, as well. And so I've also been drawn to some of those stories that you've had. Um, they're like cross-country skis with rollers on the bottom. So in the summertime, in the shoulder season, you can go out and it's such a good workout. It's like just mimics the cross-country skiing movements and that kind of thing. And then I also, you know, took the kids hiking. I had my son who was like, you know, 10 months, like in a baby carrier, my daughter in the backpack and did, you know, a river trail hike and, and did scootering kind of, you know, distance scootering. All of these things were kind of pulled from, from adventure racing and triathlon and sport combinations and uh, pack rafting. We like to do pack rafting as well, um, where you have a inflatable, kayak uh esque boat um that you can run with on your back or bike with it on your back and then get to the water and and inflate it and um so that has been super fun and that's a really good tool like i can run down my bike trail in the middle of the city um and uh air up my pack raft and keep paddling back stream and if i have my bike i can run back home and it's like all done within six miles of my house um, but it is kind of different and out there because I'm running with a boat on my back. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> That's so cool. I love I love that you are constantly trying new sports too because, you know, this is the Adventure Sports Podcast. We talk about a lot of different things and you're someone that's, it seems like you're trying to try them all and to see what sticks and what you enjoy, what you don't. There was one that really caught my eye that I haven't really come across before was swim packing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's kind of a new emergent version of of swimming. Um, I got uh, for Christmas, my dad got my husband and I these ruck rafts. So they're basically like a, a buoy, an inflatable buoy that's like a raft and then a dry bag. And you put the dry bag on top of the raft and strap it on. And then you you hook that uh, float around your waist and you can swim with it. So think about having all of the gear that you would need to do hiking or uh, camping or even just, you know, a, a little picnic or a snack after after your swim. Um, so it's super cool. Um, and in the UK, which is where these rough rafts, um, we, where we got those from, they, they do a lot of like lake to lake, body body of uh body to land, body of water crossing. Um, now where I live, I don't have the the natural landscapes. Um, so I, it's more, we do kind of more of like swimming across a lake and then hiking and then swimming across the lake again. Um, and 
I, we can talk about sort of the swim run component um, a little bit too. Um, that is sort of a prequel to swim packing. Um, so I um, got really, as a triathlete, I always, you know, I liked biking, but it was never my best sport. Um, and so in, in the 2015, I got really into swim run. And that is where you go from uh, running to swimming all in one fluid movement. So you're not stopping at a transition. You're not changing clothes. You're swimming in your shoes, basically. and I competed in that um, and kind of got all the different gear and um, kind of used that to create local adventures in and around where I live, where I would run to a lake, swim across, run to a lake, swim across. And I connected bodies of water and, you know, just kind of had minimal gear possible doing this in the back roads of Kansas. Um, and so swim packing is kind of like a slower version of swim run. Um, So swim run might, you know, be like fast packing or ultra running where you're going fast and long and light. And then swim packing is kind of like the backpacking or camping version. Uh, But these are ways that you can keep swimming um, and get out in the water and enjoy the natural environment and and have your gear with you and try something new. And, uh, you know, if you wear a wetsuit, you can do it and kind of, you know, do it a little bit longer. You don't have to just do it in the summer uh, as far as, um, you know, swim run or swim packing. But these are really fun swim combinations that allow you to swim in different ways, be a swimmer, and more ways than just doing laps at the pool and more ways than just open water swimming or being a triathlete. And, and even it expands it from just, you know, I'm into marathon swimming, distance swimming. Um, that, that is a hard sport. I honestly think it's harder than ultra running because in ultra running, if you get tired, you can stop in ultra swimming you can't stop or you drown and you don't have the outside stimulation, which is a really a nice gift sometimes, but in running, you can smell, you can look at the trees, you can look at the course, you can look at your phone, you can look at a map. Um, When you're swimming for marathon swimming, open water distances, you are in your own head and you have to find a way to be at peace with that and um, a way to keep going. And it really is a very individual sport um, because it really is just you and the water. So if you're looking for a way to sort of do some of those versions of swimming, um, swim run and swim packing are, are um, evolutions of that and new ways to keep being an athlete. And, and it keeps it fresh for you. It, it seems like you enjoy innovative sports how long do you typically stick with a sport or doing something before adjusting it or trying something new and moving on to something else? I, I don't know. I mean, it, do you have the time to pursue all these in the way you want to? Well, like right now, I mean, I've done some mountaineering over the years. I'm not really doing any mountaineering right now. I mean, I have my gear and it comes in really handy when I'm doing an ice paddle. <laughs> when I was training for the the 100-mile um, ultra paddle, one week in my river that I train on froze over. And so I had, uh, I kind of thought, you know, I think that we could try this if we, you know, looked up the sport of ice paddling and had the safety gear and, you know, did it safely out going with a, a partner. Um, and so that's a way to like, okay, I have all this mountaineering gear. I can be out in any weather. I might as well use it. I'll just use it for a new version of a sport. So it's really organic, Mason. Like, 
Uh, I didn't really intend to try ice paddling <laughs> over the winter, but it, it happened. The conditions were right. And uh, I went out and had my kayak gear and my uh, safety stuff and threw on my mountaineering clothes and my heavy duty windbreaker and, and all that and gave it a try. Um, same thing with, you know, the cross country swimming, like, uh, you know, my, we heard about that. We got the stuff. We tried it out. We have plans to do more, um, especially like once you invest in buying the stuff, like that's kind of, you know, a motivation to go out and do it. Um, but yeah, it's really just, I, I've always liked trends in, in any area. It doesn't have to just be endurance sports. And so um, following following what's what what the leaders in the sport are doing or pushing yourself and uh, you know, the, I, not a lot of people are blade packing or ultra blading, um, but I, as an endurance athlete and someone who's done, you know, several hundred mile races, that, that does appeal to me as well. And so any, you know, I, I know people that have done hundred mile snowshoe events. So I, you know, once the seed is planted, it, it's just really following that curiosity and whatever arena, I mean, there's the whole realm of snow sports as well, or road-based endurance sports, you know, s- swimming and biking, bike packing, you know, um, the continental divide, that kind of thing. There's always more. So once you find the area that, that you're interested in kind of pursuing that, until you need a break. Like I haven't paddled since the hundred mile paddle, um, but I am going to do some stand up paddle boarding and some sup yoga this, this, um, this summer. And, and then I'll, in the fall, I'll pick it back up again to train for my, um, my pack, uh, my pack rafting adventure. But you know, I'm not, I'm like, okay, I kind of did that. I can have a little bit of a break. I'll focus on some other, other areas. And by changing it up, I, um, I, I can be a lifelong athlete. I'm avoiding injury. I'm avoiding burnout. Uh, once I get kind of done with one sport, I can hop over to the next one. So it's a really great way to be a progressive, lifelong outdoor athlete uh, by just following your interest and trying new things and uh, asking for specialized uh, roller skis for Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a dad that gets you a, a rat, not a pack raft, but a swim. <laughs> right. A swim raft. raft. Okay. (laughs) You can pack your picnic in it, swim across the lake and and come back. That is really interesting. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the book, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life. I know you've touched on a lot of this already, uh, just through the conversation about trying new things and avoiding burnout and whatnot. But you also, I mean, this is not what you do for a living, that you have a full-time career and you have responsibilities. What are you applying to your daily life from what you're learning? Oh man, Mason, that's a good question. And I could, I, I, my husband jokes that, uh, you know, being a mom and being a parent is really hard and demanding and go far is a book that I wrote about endurance sports, but it has practical applications for business life, family life, parenting as well. And so we joke all the time that I've written this book about endurance, but I'm constantly having to pull things from it and rely on it. I'm just being a parent uh, in no sports included, right? Like just parenting um, or even, you know, hard, hard work challenges or that kind of thing. Um, but but part of the reason I wrote Go Far is that I, I am an endurance athlete in a lot of different sports. Um, I, I kind of wrote a, mo- a motto for myself when I was training for these things sort of simultaneously. And it was run long, 
for ultra running, climb high for climbing mountain mountaineering and big big summits of the world, swim deep to sort of speak to the distance, open water, marathon, ocean swim, crossing, and go far. And Go Far ended up being the name of my book because it kind of talked about all these different um, sports and iterations that I had tried. Um, And it has really great stories about traveling um, and running across the geysers in Iceland and uh, seeing a continent in miniature as I ran across the Canary Islands and uh, traveling through the fern forest of New Zealand all all via foot and, and via running and some of the swim stories. Um, and swimming, escaping Alcatraz and swimming in the Baltic Sea and and then some mountaineering uh, stories as well, learning how to be a glacial climber and, uh, you know, climbing in, in Russia and going to uh, areas and learning about the culture and the history. Um, and so I had these really great experiences, but I wanted to share those. And I also wanted to give readers, well, what's in it for me? Uh, what can I take away instead of just, you know, stories about something someone's done? And so Go Far really has three pillars um, that people can apply, um, just sort of about mindset and approach and sort of how I approach life and have parlayed these experiences and endurance into key takeaways um, for business and parenting. And so I was back at work at my at my marketing communications job after having my first child my daughter and i was really trying to identify okay who who am i as as a working mom as a mother as an endurance athlete um i had I didn't know that I would want to run again after having children like you there's as a woman there's this question of like people always say, well, wait till you have kids. And so I felt like I couldn't really write this book until I had had children and knew that my endurance sports background and experiences are even more important now because they allow me to connect uh, with myself and be outside and be a better parent as I bring those experiences back. Um, and so Go Far was really a, f- a reflection of, of being a working mom, being a mom, finding a place uh, in sport, and then packaging that so that I could share it with my children and then with the world as well, um, as as far as um, how these endurance sports um, and the mindsets behind them and the theories and the tactics and um, the practices uh, can be put into play no matter who you are, where you are in the world. Even if you're not into endurance sports, you can still find motivation uh, from the stories and experiences and, and take them back uh, to your children and your families and your work life. Um, I certainly I certainly need to, on a daily basis, tap into that, uh, that endurance and tenacity required. Yeah, you and me both. Jeez, I've got two little ones, three and one, and uh, oh man, it's such a tough time right now. <laughs> there. Well, that's that's my age. Those are my kids' ages as oh, well. Really? So yeah, they're <laughs> close together, and it's really it's demanding, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it's just like two days ago. He's like, I'm not going to sleep anymore. The three year old, and it's like, <laughs> where? What? How, what? You you just decided you don't want to sleep in your bed at all? And get up 10 times a night and it's like, it feels like, <laughs> it feels insurmountable. <laughs> That's dramatic. That's dramatic. But it, you know what I'm it saying. It does. Yes, we had, we had about three get ups last night and it's like, 
well, this has got to stop. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. We've got to figure this out. And I don't know how we're going to, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, oh my gosh. But anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome to think that you still do these things and you're still, you know, writing books about this experience and whatnot and tapping into the things you've learned on adventures to get you through this, this time of life. But what I would love to know, if, if you're able to, is there a story from the book that you can share that, that illustrates something you've learned uh, or a story that didn't quite make the cut to be in the book that kind of illustrates the flavor of the book, if that makes sense? Well, yes, I thought what would be fun is that I know that you've had some swimmers on, but I thought it would be fun to tell us, tell the swim run story and, and tell kind of how that originated. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, cool. So I, I started telling it a little bit, um, but basically I, I was in the middle of, of ultra run training and also marathon, open water, long distance swimming. And my dad, again, um, shared the story from Outside Magazine with me about a new emergent sport called swim run. And it's where you go from uh, running to swimming to running to swimming, all in a fluid-like movement with all your gear, all your clothes on um, for ultra-light distances. And kind of like a lot of things that we found over the years, there there weren't any swim run events um, in the United States at the time. Um, so we kind of uh, were like, well, you know, let's start trying it out and 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 seeing how it is. You know, I've done years of triathlons. Um, and so I always loved the swimming and running and especially combined. I had even done some aquathons, uh, which is swimming and running with a transition in between. And so the swim run like really appealed to me because it was a long way in each each discipline. It was a lot of running and a lot of swimming. So it wasn't like a sprint triathlon. It was it was this distance endurance event as well, but it combined my two favorite things. Um, and so I, what I did is I just sort of started training at my local lake where I swim um, and sort of amassing the gear. So we talked about, you know, swimming in your shoes, like it, it's, and it's some adventure racing that I had done. Um, you know, you're running, you run, you're, you're wearing your running shoes. And then all of a sudden you might have a body of water that you have to cross. And so you jump in and you're trying to swim. They usually make you wear like a giant uh, orange um, PFD and you have to swim in that and your shoes are filling with water. And like, it's just like sort of slow and ridiculous and, and comical because it's an adventure race swim. It's not, you know, a speed, uh, crossing, crossing the water as fast as possible sort of swim. So the first thing I did is I got specialized shoes that drain and are lightweight. I got them out of Sweden. Um, and that was a big game changer because I could just run out of the water and sprint, um, and, and run for, you know, three or six miles and then get back in the water and your heart rate's high. Uh, but you're looking forward to that relief and that refreshment that the water offers. So I really started uh, training in my own backyard. And then I found a race in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, and it, it was the perfect time. It was the perfect distance. And it felt doable. It felt like I could uh, train for it and go do it. The only problem was that it was in the Baltic Sea. And the water was around 50 degrees, 55 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Mm. And that's really cold. Yeah, that'll um, take the wind out of you. Yes. It, and it, and so in addition to getting the physical training, I also had to train myself to get used to cold water. Um, so that was a fun experience um, 
to sort of overcome because I had been invited to swim Alcatraz um, in San Francisco Bay and I I wasn't ready for it at the time. I didn't think I could handle the cold water. Um, So through this swim run training, I... um, I learned how and I adapted and I got, you know, I'd wear three different swim caps at a time and I got um, a special swim run wetsuit. Um, And I was then after this, by doing this experience, I was then able the next year to go and do Alcatraz and, and be okay with the cold water because I had, I had trained and learned and experienced that I could do it. And, and that's one of the stories that comes through and go far as well is, undergoing that you can, um, trying by giving something a chance. Um, I've kind of referenced that a couple times with like the paddle, the hundred mile paddle and, uh, you know, getting this cold water swim experience. Like I didn't know if I could do it until I went out and tried something. And then I, then I thought, I think I can do this. That's, that's how I ran my first hundred miles too. I started with a 50 K and a 50 miler and a hundred K. And I had to have those experiences, to know that I could do, I felt that I could do something inside me, knew that I could at least try. So that's a, that's kind of a, a, an important section in the book um, as well. So once I had, you know, given Swim Run a little bit of a try, researched it, been inspired, gotten myself cold water trained, I also had to get all of the special gear. And there's quite a bit of gear involved because it's not regular swimming. It's not open water swimming. So first of all, you've got your water shoes and then you've got a specialized wetsuit that is actually, um, it's a full body wetsuit, but you trim it. Um, you cut it off so that you have the most mobility at your legs to be able to run um, because you're running in your wetsuit because the water is so cold. <laughs> and so that um, is its own sort of trick because on the runs, you, you kind of get warmed up and you get overheated. Um, but, you know, my feet would still be like solid blocks of ice because I was in the Baltic Sea and it was absolutely freezing. Um, so shoes, wetsuit, swim cap, goggles, um, you need to have your own food and hydration. So like I wore like an old camelback uh, and just threw some like gel packets in. It didn't have any extra pockets or anything because I was trying to keep things light and easy. And then in swim run, you can um, use paddles. And you can also use a pull boy uh, because that helps elevate the legs from the weight of having the shoes on is sort of the theory of why you can do that. Because in a normal adventure race or run or or, or swim, you would not be allowed to use the training tools, Um, but they're part of your gear in swim run. So imagine someone running, running through uh, me in a suburban area while I was training or in the race uh, through the royal Swedish meadows that belong to the royal family, (laughs) Um, running around in a wetsuit with a pole boy strapped to your waist and paddles on your hands and a swim cap. Um, And I also had uh, calf sleeves, uh, you know, just as sort of, you know, an extra protection from from the cold water. So the outfits are are really quite something. Um, But uh, it was was time to head off to Stockholm, Sweden, um, once I had gotten that training and that gear. um, And then on the actual race, you wear like a a bib number on, on you as well. So you've got all kinds of stuff. Um, so we started with like a run and, and you used to have to have a partner in swim run. Um, it's now they have races in the United States, which is super cool. Um, and they have some event, individual events, but an added element, if you're not already swimming and running with enough stuff, 
is you have to be connected to your partner uh, with a small rope. Um, and so my dad luckily um, wanted to do this with me. And so we were a mixed team. Um, and so we started off running um, and we we're attached via via tether. And we had done this in adventure racing before. So I knew that we could do it, but we hadn't swam tethered together. And and you're always going to have someone that, you know, is maybe a better runner, a better swimmer. And so, you know, the better swimmer is having to sort of like wait for the, the other person. But the reason that they do that in swim run is for safety. Um, but I was used to kind of that added challenge from adventure racing. And, and so you're, you're with your partner and we swam through about nine different bodies of water on the Stockholm archipelago between islands, through the Royal Parkland, through the sheep meadows, and the water would just be absolutely freezing. And, and sometimes we'd swim up to a mile at a time. Um, other times it would be just like a 50 meter uh, sprint. Um, same thing with runs. Sometimes the runs would be anywhere from one mile or to, to three or, or longer at a time. So it was just this, you know, training for it uh, was really fun and rewarding. And then racing um, in another country. And one of the things that I try to talk about and go far is that I, I never want to just just go somewhere and, and do an event. I always want to read literature from the country, try the local food. I actually had friends from school and church that were living in uh, Stockholm at the time. And so we were able to, to uh, do some stuff with them. And I absolutely loved like uh, the cardamom uh, Swedish cinnamon roll buns. Um, so I just had a great time trying the local flavors, but I, I always do. Um, and so that was, you know, a lot of times places that I've been, like you're in the middle of nowhere in a tent in a desert, like you're not hanging out with your friends. Your mom's not there cheering you on. Uh, but this this trip was a little different um, because it was in a city in a metro area. So that was really fun having come off, you know, five or six years of, you know, just kind of being out in, in Patagonia at the end of the earth, kind of alone and, and, you know, making friends as you go, but not having that support system there. Um, that was different and fun. Um, and so we raced um, from island to island. That's kind of how uh, the original name for Swim Run, one of the original races, is is built around that name. Um, but just beautiful, gray, rolling rocks, freezing cold, refreshing water. You're running fast, you're swimming fast, you're sprinting, but it's still a distance event. And so you're still having to kind of pace yourself. Um, but it was just a great way to travel to a new country, travel to a new part of the world that I hadn't been before, learn a kind of a new culture, really, really dig in deeper than, than previous history, you know, attempts, um, and then a race and compete. And then my favorite part is, is come home and take that knowledge um, of how to be a swimmer and how to be an endurance athlete in a new way and integrate that into my training at home and do that on a weekend and do that as a practical application at home. Um, and so I, I've always loved the swim run combination. So on the weekend, 4th of July, one year, we're just coming off of that. I can run to my lake, swim across and run back home. And bam, that's a local swim run without, you know, the racing element or the gear. You can do it any, you know, light, lightweight, just a, you know, a, a swimsuit and some shorts um, if, if you want to try it. 
So that's kind of uh, a story of swim run, uh, the experience, uh, something different, something out there. I really, I really was pushing my boundaries because like I said, at the time there were only races in Norway, Sweden, and I think Switzerland, there weren't any in the States. Um, so I really had to travel to an entirely different country to try an entirely different sport. But then I've brought that back home. It's infused my life. It's informed my life. It's one of my favorite things to do. So the experience was more than just the race and the event. It was really um, how can I how can I mimic this and have this part of my daily daily life? Is Wichita, Kansas now the new swim run hub of the U.S. because of you? <laughs> for, for Jennifer Strong McConkey, it sure is. Oh man, that's awesome. Very cool. Very oh, awesome story. And, and, and I love that it, 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 this sport and this race caused you and your dad to have such an amazing experience together. Like I always say, adventure is, is sometimes we need that structure to go and make things happen and go and do things in other places where the stories you walk away from with this experience and the lessons you learn, you don't plan to, you can't plan for those because you don't know what they're going to be. You just make sure you're there for that event. You're ready to do the adventure sports and all the memorable things fill in the gaps while you're there. For you, what would you say is next on the list or what do you what do you definitely have coming up as far as adventures and what are maybe a few adventures that have always been out there that you would like to do? Well, in the fall, we are planning, my husband and I, and I think my dad is, is going to participate as well, and he's um, in town. We are planning a, basically, we're calling it a three-pack. So it's a pack rafting, bike packing, pack swimming combination. Um, and so it's homegrown. It's at our, it's at one of our local lakes. Um, it's on my my hometown river. But we're linking and connecting it all together in a totally new way. Um, and I've swam at this lake. I've biked the backcountry roads. And I've paddled down this river. But I've never done it combined into this certain, this exact combination of sport. And this is actually kind of what my next uh, sort of writing project is going to be about. So stay tuned for more. Um, and also, I mean, you can follow me online. I will share. I will share the process as well, too. But we're going to swim across um, our lake. I think the area that we've picked is about a mile, so doable, but we're going to have inflated kayak pack rafts towed behind us, so that is going to add an element to the swimming that is different, is this towing a pack raft, which is lightweight, and it's different from the cross-country swimming ruck raft. This is the boat that we're pulling. It's going to have my bike strapped, disassembled, and strapped to the front, like in in bike rafting. So swim across the lake, uh, get to the other side, reassemble the bike, pack down the kayak pack raft into a backpack, put the backpack on, bike to our Kansas River, get to the river, inflate the boat and hop on. And actually I can paddle to right across from my, my house. I can paddle back home if I do a short portage section. Jeez. Is that pretty equipment heavy? Is that like the hardest part of the planning for that or? It, it is. It's not it, the, the, the training, it, you know, is, as long as you're keeping like in general run bike paddle shape, the, the training itself, it's there, it's doable, but the gear and the logistics of that little adventure, those are what the time is going to entail, you know, assembling and deassembling the bike. You know, once you've done it, you can you can get it down pretty fast. It's just, you know, like anything, practice and repetition and feeling confident in your gear. 
So that's a short-term goal. And it's honestly, um, it's just fun. It's just something fun to go try something different, a different combination. But the big goal that I have set for myself is I have wanted to do a 10K swim for a really long time. And I've been training for other events and and, um, other things. But I think that that is going to be my focus next year is um, doing a 10K swim and possibly a 10-mile river swim as well. Because I'm a river person, got the paddle on the river, got the surf on the stand-up paddleboard, surfing the river. Now I need to go swim a river. Uh, of course, you got to go swim a river. You know, you can't, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, of course. That's just a logical next step. And, and let me ask <laughs> this before we go. Do, do you work in an office or you do, do you go somewhere? And w- what do folks think about you? And if not, maybe family and friends, what do they think about this? They might be used to it at this point and the folks at work too, but what are some of the reactions you get around you? Well, people think that I'm I'm normal because I look and I seem like really normal. And then I start talking about this stuff and they realize that um, you've got a crazy side. Yeah, keep your distance. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of a lot of your guests are and a lot of us in the endurance adventure community. You know, we, we're just, I'm just a normal person. I'm not obsessed with it. It's one part of my life. I try to make it more meaningful by studying history, studying books, studying maps, getting friends and family involved. Um, So it's not just about, oh, I went out and worked so hard and conquered this. It's not about that. It's, It's just about pushing myself and, and having fun while doing so. So, um, I think, uh, especially once the book came out, a lot of my friends, um, they knew that I had done a lot of this stuff, uh, but they didn't know the extent. And so that's, what's also been nice is the book has given more background and more details to sort of people that have seen me do all of this, but then, you know, it's bam back to work and you just kind of move on. And so the book has been a really great way to share it more, share my story more broadly and just share the experiences because they're fun and we can all all learn from them and, and continue to have our own, whether that's just walking to the local park or biking there instead of driving next time or, you know, swimming a river. And, and I'm sure it's helped you realize what you've learned because you, you, it's like you've internalized what you've learned, but you've never maybe put it on paper until this experience. Maybe you have, I don't know. Personally, I haven't, but this would help me understand it. Yeah, that was the great thing about the the process of writing the book is that it was a rewarding process. And I've really loved having that platform and being able to connect with more people around the world online and in new ways than I had before. As I was always part of the community, but I wasn't necessarily promoting it or participating. I was just kind of doing it for me because I found it rewarding. So it's been fun and I'm just so inspired. You know, I, I listen to other guests and man, so many ideas and things to do. And so it's so great to share other people's stories and, and share in this community and inspire each other. And um, that's that's what I love about adventure sports and, and the podcast. Oh, well, Jennifer, this has been another one for the books of, quote, normal person, you know, from the outside looking in, doing some extraordinary things, it's hugely inspiring. And uh, I'm excited to check out the book, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Helps You Win at Life. Amazon, is that the best place for folks to find it? Yep, it's on Amazon. Um, also, Barnes & Noble, Penguin Random House, and uh, you can get it from your local independent bookseller as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, keep getting out there and doing what doing whatever you want combining sports all willy-nilly however you want to you've done it all 
really cool stuff. Thank you so much, Mason. It's been really fun chatting with you. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.